Welcome, dear readers, to Cover My Ass, where baffling books are reviewed but not read by yours truly. My name is... Kaki, that one's me, right? And I'm Kay. Yeah. And remember, we only judge a book by its cover. Remember, yes. That's the key word, remember, Have remember. you been at the ink again? The ink's been at me, I think. Oh, yes. In so the, Between the towering stacks of my library, we find ourselves again. Oh, do we? Oh, uh, great. Yes. So this has happened before, and it yeah. will happen again. Okay, now, that part I figured out, because I... Okay, now you already guessed that I'd, I'd been covered in red ink and that I'd lost yes. my memory, so apparently you know about that. Yes. And you're okay. Okay. I'm khaki. Okay, good. Because yes. I've got all these notes scattered around me. I've, I, I yeah. appear to have left previous warnings to myself looking oh, at the right. handwriting. Yes. To deal with this, because they're now you, you, you've got to, you've got to come with me. Under I've, I've created this little awning behind oh, yes? oh, of Very it, nice. Because I think that red ink. Uh, which is the memory erasing ink? Is that ink? It's one of the side effects. Well, one of the side effects. We'll have to talk about one of the other ones because well, I don't drink. It'll give you. Let's not talk about that. Okay. It seems to like there seems to be drippings huh? here and there, and so I, I guess that oh. I've been losing a lot of my memory as I've been dripped upon. Oh, okay. I'll have to look into that. See if there's an ink leakage. That's not a good thing if that happens. Okay, so yeah. that occurred to me as well. Now I have been listening to past episodes of our podcast. Mm-hmm. I was not a very good podcast host in the early episodes. I was oh, I constantly... Thought, I thought you were doing rather well. But. Oh, thank you. I was enjoying some of our, our earlier exploits, so I'm figuring out what we do here. Never was quite clear why I'm here. Is that just me or...? No, that's just you. Oh, it's, oh yeah. okay. So that's yet to be revealed. Well, so as I catch up, then I'll, I'll learn why I was... Yeah, okay. Cool. Probably. Let's go with that. So some of the notes I've got here are about... They're about a book called Dijkstra's War. Yes. That's the book we were going to review this week. Oh, is that what we're... Yes. Oh, so we're doing that. It's worse than I thought. Yeah, it, it's, it seems like if we start reviewing the book this early in the episode, then I must have really hit my noggin real bad. So yes. I, I wonder if you have advice for how I can prevent future memory loss and reacquire the, the, the knowledge that I lost well, previously. okay, so you mentioned red dripping. So keep an eye on the floor, oddly enough. And if you see, like, little splats of red, then don't go stand there. I will check out the rafters. And uh, okay, I'll good. let you know about that because, like this, I mean, the red ink has to come from somewhere, and I've got an idea what might be the cause here. But let me go and check on that, and I'll let you know what the results were. That so probably next week when we're doing our oh, next that week's sounds podcast. fantastic. Yeah. So, do you often do this? Do you often go on adventures through the mystical library? No, I try not to. Well, I, no, actually, that's not While true. While I'm back I, in I, safety, I go on a lot of adventures in the mystical library, but I do that from the comfort of one of my reclining seats with a glass of brandy and a cigar and a good book, because that is how one should go on a adventure in a library. Okay, that sounds oh, that sounds wonderful. I can't wait to listen to all of the earlier episodes and, and find out about all of your various fantastic library adventures. Yes, I mean, like, you can get yourself a nice pipe, and I think the, the English one is called the church warden, but in, the, in Dutch they're called the reading pipe. Oh, yeah, and you've got to have, like, a, a, yeah. a tweedy jacket with, like, well, leather patches on the elbows. We've got bad experiences with those here in the library. What? It looked good on you, for as far as it was tweed, well, but okay. it wasn't actual tweed. But it, like you, you did a lot of ups and downs in this did conversation. Good job. And, yes. Thank you. Thank and you. also and a lot, lot of high very vague references for that like might leave the readers at home confused to what on earth we are talking about, but which that's, is fine. Yes, exactly. That's that's par for the course, because that's how things happen in the among the towering stacks of your library where anything can happen, and it does not pay to keep up. Mm, very good, yes. Um, just hit the ground running and go, because that's how you sort of approach books as well. Yes, you're going to take it at face value and uh, just start reading and see where you get dropped into the narrative. 
So does that smoothly segue us into talking about the book now? I suppose, all those smooth segues that I we suppose do. it does. It's okay. This week's book, as has been briefly mentioned before, yes, it's called Dijkstra's War, and I'm pronouncing this the Dutch way, but uh, I'm sure you know, Americans would pronounce it Dijkstra's War. Or Dijkstra's something. War, yes. Uh, written by Jeffrey de Koistra, again Dutch pronunciation, because it's that's these are very Dutch names for a. Supposedly, but he is, he is a Jeffrey. Yes, Which is not, not a Dutch yeah. name, so it's probably Jeffrey D. Kuistra. Kuistra, but Kuistra, is, it has to be Dutch origin, that name. Oh, of Dutch origin, yeah. certainly, but like, I mean, you can't tell with these that it's been Ellis Islandized like you can with no. some names. The, the De Vries as one word instead of two words, where the, the, the article right. De has De a Vries, lowercase yeah. letter. Because, of, yeah, apparently they couldn't do spaces in... Uh uh, names or something. You're only supposed to have one surname. It didn't do the whole space. Yeah, that stuff just doesn't the didn't thing. make sense during also, uh, immigration. Also, era. Dijkstra. That's not how you'd spell it in Dutch. That's definitely like using the Y now, rather than the. We're talking like the first generations of yeah. uh, immigration to the U.S. were centuries ago, when the yeah. Y was still a much more common spelling for the I J diphthong. Is it not just a lone letter from Greek? Yes. Like I, I, I literally still I have. Oh, a, a vague memory is returning to me suddenly yeah. of, of cycling through the countryside and seeing Eisenwarenzak, iron... Uh, Hardware stuff. store, basically. Hardware store, that's the one. Eisenwarenzak with yes. a Y instead of IJ. But didn't have the dots on the Y? No. Okay. It's also interesting, if you have the whole IJ thing, that's the only time in Dutch when you start a word with two capitalized letters. Yes, it's- because they're not... Two letters. They're one letter with yeah. two characters. It's a yes. digraph. There you go. Yeah. Do we always narrowcast to our audience so much? Yes. Okay. <laughs> we're, we're, we're definitely going the way we're supposed to be going. Oh, this is very reassuring. I'm, I'm glad that even with all of my memories erased, I'm still doing a decent yes. d- enough job. So there's a no. lot going on the cover. There is a lot going on this cover. For the readers at home, is there any way they can see their cover? Yes, they can. If they look down at their podcasting device, they should, should be able to see a, a version of today's cover. And if not, then you can, like, Google it. It's called Dijkstra's War. And <laughs> yes. Wow. That's such a succinct way to tell people how to find this book. You've clearly had a lot of practice doing this. I'm very envious. So, yeah, there's a subtitle. It says, in a hundred years, humanity would be invulnerable, but the future is now. And then there's makes a, no sense whatsoever. It really doesn't. There's a fresh-faced youth standing on the bridge of a ship, I presume. Or Say it, that five times faster. A fresh-faced youth, youth yeah, standing uh, on the bridge of a ship. It might be a look-at point or it might be anything. It's, like it's got it, controls and a rail. It, it does, a safety rail. So it might actually be outside the spaceship, but then it, there would be no air. So that wouldn't make no sense either. No, there's like a, we- a view screen. You see the f- sort of framing around Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, so it's just to it. prevent him from tipping down into the uh, mosh pit that is the bridge uh, cruise section. Oh, dear. I always love that in Star Wars. If you've got this like big central catwalk on which the commander of the ship walks and then everybody else oh, is, yeah. is, is down in the uh, pit, in doing the, pit. the actual yes. work. <laughs> it makes no sense, but it looks cool. Yeah. There's a space battle being fought out. There's a planet on fire in the background. There is a explosion within a force field. There are multiple ships flying about and shooting at each other, getting shot at. Yeah, big capital ships and, and smaller fighters. Yes. There's uh, and, and like a lot of artistic influences that I'm seeing. Oh, in yes. Parallel. That, like that first ship in front looks a bit like a cross between the, the Galactica and a Imperial Star Destroyer. Oh, what are those? Oh, spaceships from movies. Oh yes, movies, moving pictures. A lot of uh, yeah, a lot of memories. Oh god, have been taken. it's been really bad. You've it's, been... it's really bad. But uh, I don't know. Maybe that'll just help me enjoy this book more. Oh well, I mean, 
you've already read it, haven't you? Or, or, or just, or you're just making it up by the, going by the notes, aren't you? Okay, let's get into the existential sort of nature of knowledge then. I'm pretty sure I have read it because okay. I could not otherwise have produced these notes, but I cannot remember reading oh, okay. it. Okay, But I do have the notes, so does that then. count as, yeah, there yeah, you go. Yeah, fine, as long as you've read, actually read the book. Because nobody would re- try to review a book without reading it. That would be, like, disingenuous. Well, let's put it the other way around. The book has been read. Yes. So which version of me or whether it was me or whether somebody else was that person, it really doesn't matter. Like, as long as the book has been read, yes. a review can be made, made. right? Yeah, fair yeah. enough. Yeah, that's about the cover. There's a lot of sci-fi stuff going on, which is, makes sense because that's essentially what the book is about. It's like yes. Mr. John Dykstra, who is a up-and-coming, just-moved-out-of-film-school character. Is like, it starts off with his graduation ceremony. He's actually done the special effects for, and there's like lots of party yes. poppers and other things going off. He's an up-and-coming uh, a special effects whiz, a, a, a competent model maker. Yeah. and a, Starting with those little plastic models of tanks and planes and stuff like that, yeah. moving on to, I guess, starships, spaceships and stuff, although there was probably not very much of that during the 60s, which I guess were his formative years. Interesting. I mean, you had a lot of pulp science fiction in, in drive-in theatres oh, in, the, yes. in the 60s, True. right? But, like, yeah, a lot of flying saucers. And I, 2001 is, like, 68, 69-ish, I believe. That yeah. sounds right, actually. So, yeah, 68. Roughly, uh, Stanley Kubrick, yeah. So that would have been like a, a very formative influence on uh, these, on, on our young John young, uh, yeah. while he was doing his thing in film school. So after having produced his thesis project, which has been critically acclaimed by uh, anybody who's actually seen it, especially his uh, tutors, of course, ah, yeah. uh, at the after party of the graduation, he's already being approached by various people in the business who would like to have him come and work for them on their, on their new movies. That's what you get as a young up-and-comer, certainly in an industry that's enjoying a renaissance driven by special effects. Uh, yeah, it's, they're, they're, they're always looking for what's coming out. And they're like they've clearly been tipped by some of his professors who was going like, hey, we've got this guy coming up and he's good and uh, you want him to do his thing. He might not even consider himself to be ready to move into the field yet because he just likes to be... Whoever does. He just loves tinkering in his dorm room, which is like one big construction workshop. It's very hard to navigate, but it is very popular for, for people to visit because I guess all the glue f- fumes, like you go in there... And you- uh, this is the early 70s that we're talking about. Yeah. So yeah, anybody like immediately sees things his way and like oh that looks so amazing and the light effects here are fantastic and it's just like a little bear a bear bulb hanging on the ceiling which is a swing in the wind of his fan but you know if you like sniff enough uh, solvents he is immediately contracted to work on his first uh, movie which is called meet the greebles oh yeah the greebles that's right that's right there <laughs> A, a very exciting piece of cinema, as I think I recall, according to, to my notes. It's very innovative. It's kind of a low-budget affair. It's, well, it's like a lot of puppetry thrown in with the special effects oh, that, he's, that. He's, he's been known for doing. It's not family-friendly at no, all, is uh, it? No, it's, it's definitely not family-friendly. It's, I think, Dark Crystal, but then with a little bit more adult-themed here and there. Yes, it's it's where uh, young John Dijkstra gets to cut his teeth and make his mark on a burgeoning industry, inventing uh, the famous Dijkstra Flex camera. Right, yes. He was already working on that during his student times, yep. but he was like trying to develop a new kind of shutter, but he, he needed a particular material called Illudium, which uh, yes, he, he, he couldn't get a hand of it. It's like it, it didn't work around. But as soon as he gets the, the purchasing power from a, a big movie studio behind him, yeah. he finds that he can actually 
go and instead of illudium, you can uh, go and use a material called uh, phlebotinium. Phlebotinum. Phlebotinum. Is that the one? Phlebotinum. Yeah, phlebotinum, phlebotinium. Let's call the whole thing off. Yeah, there you go. Uh, And that instead works very well in advancing the development of his new camera. Yes, and it's a technical masterpiece. It is a little bit flammable. That phlebotinum is. It is, and it also has a side effect of punching holes in reality. But we only we discovered that a little bit later. It's a side effect of its ability to like breathe life into the like. It is the phlebotinum is the element of life, is not? In a way, it is. Yes. So, Meet the Greebles is a huge success, obviously, far oh. in excess of the, the budget that was spent on it, and a lot of the accolades go to the amazingly innovative special effects. Especially the lifelikeness of all the uh, the characters, despite the fact that most of them are puppets, and uh, the special effects are also all model scale, but the, the Dijkstra Flex camera really brings it out on the screen. The thing about the Dijkstraflex camera system, I should say, properly, that made it so innovative, like models had been used for science fiction and composited before and moved around often on wires and you had to to hide those. The Dijkstraflex camera system used computers in order to simulate camera moves of moving objects through space by having the models stationary and moving the lights in the camera instead. Right, which in the 70s was like unheard of. Especially the fact that they could open the shutter, move the camera and get like actual uh, uh, motion blur. It looked so cool and so realistic. Yeah. On on puppets as well, on dragons. It was a revelation. People went to the cinema and they were transported by these incredibly lifelike worlds and believed that they actually were watching these creatures and these wars in space. Almost as if they were happening somewhere else and actually happening for real. And the camera was just like capturing this thing, which seemed to transform the models almost. I know. uh, or, Or maybe use the models as a focus to capture things that were happening elsewhere in the universe? Well, I mean, that's that's certainly one way that John Dijkstra fancifully described it, having no idea quite how close he was to the, the truth at this point. And high on his recent success, he had his pick of the litter. Tons of other jobs were thrown at him. He chose one that was a, a promising pilot for a, a television series that reused a lot of the technologies that, that he developed for his, his student project, Conflict Sphere Nebula. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So he he had to devise the, the the model for the actual spacecraft, the conflict sphere itself, and its its various attendant spacecraft, such as the Adders. Yeah. Uh, yes. Well, I mean, it was a it was it was a famous project. One would almost describe it as a Star Wars. Oh, it was a bit derivative. You mean Brilliant Artist Steel? I believe the one was like that's oh yeah, Brilliant Artist, Artist Steel. Borrow, Great Artist Steel. Steel. Yeah, that's yes. the one. So you had the conflict sphere, uh, a nebula commanded by Commander Kanada and his uh, uh, hotshot pilot Arbuckle, <laughs> yes. uh, and his more noble son, Captain Sao Paulo. Yes. I- wasn't that just his uh, call sign? Call sign, that's the one. Yes. That's a nice ring to it. And uh, the evil Count Gibraltar. Yes. <laughs> who was actually on the side of the Ceylons, because probably they had the best tea. You know what those letters stand for in, in tea? You had, like, often you have a string of letters behind Ceylon tea. What, T-E-A? Well, no, it's like uh, F-T-G-O-P, for instance. Oh, or, no. Yeah. So the O-P stands for Orange Peco, which is a particular kind of tea. And the uh, FTGOP is generally considered to be to stand for far too good for ordinary people. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that sounds like something they promote in in Better Homes Than Yours magazine. Mm. So he's like he's riding his wave of success. There's like uh, this movie franchise takes off. There's like a sequel and another sequel and a trequel and a uh, and a squeakquel. We'll get to those later. Uh, <laughs> I can't wait. He rides his success, and after a while, it seems to get a little bit samey, I would say. That's one of the criticisms that were leveled as the Conflict Sphere Nebula. 
that yes. it was just derivative and it was just getting star worse. At first, when they make your porn version of your movie, you're flattered. But I think it was called Solarsis that they uh, did the... Uh... <laughs> yes, uh, the Sol Arse Warriors, right. I think, followed, was the... Followed shortly by oh, no. p- Plan B from Outer Space. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Airport sixty nine was yeah. also was airplane sixty. That was also a. It was one of those disaster of the week films that he really started getting into a slump when they tried to uh, try to do a year two thousand updated version and insert new special effects into the old yeah. into the old movie. That is just miserable. At this point, there's a cut in the book. It, it seems to be moving into the world of the conflict sphere webula, where there is a uh, webula. The, yeah, web, no, that's webula, right. The webula. Yeah, I've been mispronouncing it this whole time. Uh, the webula. Yes. Where there is a conflict between two parties and Commander Canada and Canada, Canada, sorry, Canada, yeah, Commander Canada and Count Gibraltar. I can't read your right. Okay, I know. This is why I know that I wrote these notes because no one else could read them. Yes, and I surely should have remembered this from the book. But Commander Canada (laughs) and Count Gibraltar are uh, having a a a meeting, which is overseen by uh, Lady Byron. Ah. Uh, and uh, they're they're noticing that things have been going odd. They seem to getting be getting forced into weird conflicts, which either neither side of them wants. Yes, and yes, like, and they're very repetitive. They're noticing yeah, as well. There seem to be people making bad decisions, which which only seem to like make things more exciting rather than actually make things better. The same stupid maneuvers being performed over and over again in the exact same fashion, even though previously they resulted in destruction, and this time as well, a lot of particularly ships that are specifically unlabeled are uh, vulnerable to destruction. Right. All the label ships are fine with a name printed on them. Exactly. It's like as long as nobody knows, nobody's ever heard of the commander or like as anybody who hasn't interacted with Commander Canada or uh, Count Gibraltar, is they seem to be fodder, cannon fodder almost. They seem to like, yeah, die away. and it's like They don't seem to say that much either. Like it tends to be just the core cast. They're, exactly. And it's so weird for these enemies to start to realize that their world is being manipulated from... Uh, uh, a world beyond their own. And they eventually discover that they've also been using phlebotonym in their uh, ship design. And ever since this happened, there seems to be a weird influence on things. And, uh, I mean, their scientists start working on it. They've got uh, their two prominent scientists, known as the Walrus and and the Salvage. Who are renowned for destroying fa- false uh, tales? They're like they're, they're very good at de- debunking theories. I'm almost there. Hold on. No, I can figure this out. L- yeah. Let me. Let me, right. let me. I can. They're very good at uh, blowing things up as well. And, oh my uh, god, the walrus is Jamie. <laughs> Because of his fucking moustache. Yes. <laughs> and, the, and, the, and the savage, pardon me. The, the salvage, yes. Adam, Adam Salvage, yes. yes. No, that's right. And his buddy, the walrus. Who's, who's very, who are very good at, uh, like, you know, like cobbling things together, uh, especially from uh, uh, derelict ships and other things. No, like I, I, I completely <laughs> understand. No, I'm with you now. I was briefly confused with another book that I once read, which uh, was about the... Eggman the and the walrus? Stylus and the the count the money counting machine they also do a lot of debunking oh uh. on a, yes that's another pair of of debunkers the stylus the writing instrument yes like a pencil but then it yeah. leaves permanent marks and the uh, 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 you know how you have those automated counting machine machines oh right yes uh, the, yeah those the, yeah, yeah the writer and the counter the writer and the accountant, yeah, that's the one. And they do, you know, they do they do magic, and one of them's mute, and the other one has troubling political leanings. And, that- and one of them doesn't talk, and the one the other one won't shut up. There that's- we go. There we go. 
So that's the book that I was confused with. Right. With the, the Walrus and the, and the Salvage. Very good. So, yes, and they uh, start discovering that uh, by manipulating their own ships, they can actually get a little bit of back effect going in, which then cuts back to Mr. Dykstra, who yes. notices that his, like, his things stop like working the way they used to. He's got a lot of trouble getting good shots. He's trying to make new movies. He's trying to use his Dijkstra Flex system, but things don't work out. No, a lot of his a lot of his shots are missed. A lot of his shots are busted. Absolutely, like, being, they, they are just not working. He's got like a few new movies coming out. One of them called The Array Two. The fight scene in there it just looks horrible. It just looks fake. It just looks like and it's such a completely. shame. The idea was great. Uh, yes, it's such a brilliant idea to hold a fight scene in a vertical. Mine shaft. The characters look pasted on. It's like wait. Then like his next movie, like di- dial another date. It it, it ends up with this <laughs> yeah. weird. It's in the surf- dial hard franchise, it is, isn't it? it? Well, no, no, no. It's well. <laughs> It, it oh no, you're a, right. You're right. It's it, you've got to, you've got to dial two zeros and then a seven, and then you'll the dial, yeah, dial exactly. another you day. Dial no, another you're right. Day. And it ends up with this weird surf scene under a parachute, which really doesn't work. Yeah, with a Norwegian flag on it. It's very peculiar. The last movie he's doing uh, yes, in that yeah. like Midwest world, which is also a big <laughs> flop. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah, we've got Yul Brynner exactly. just being very polite to people while actually undermining their self confidence oh. as well. <laughs> <laughs> and he's uh, yeah. And every time he he leaves, he has a signature fr- catchphrase for busting out the door after he's destroyed another person's uh, self worth. Okay, then he he notices that there's a bit of a downturn to his career at this point, and he's things need to be turned around. Yes. Now, fortunately, he's noticed a trend evolving that he hasn't yet gotten in on, but that he can use his magnificent talents to latch onto. In the sort of mid nineties, you had the superb hero craze. Yes. Uh, they were presenting these superb heroes. They're all he, brilliant. They're all amazing. And he felt if my Dijkstra Flex camera is influencing other worlds or realities, if it's uh, as he's starting to suspect, because he he feels the influence that like all of these missed and busted opportunities. And he notices that there's a bit, there's a problem with his cameras, and he not- and it must and- be that feedback from a exactly. galaxy far from away. That's yeah. the one. He, fi- he 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 discovers that the problem is not with his vision or with his design, but no, the problem is actually with the tools. Yeah, and so he. He got his success by building his Dijkstraflex camera out of out of phlebotinum, and he starts to experiment with eludinum again, yeah. the the original material that he tried he, to. He finally to manages to source them, and he uses that in a rather sexy superb hero film called Natman Forever. Yes, in the costume which includes quite a lot of nipples. Oh yes, all well, of which where, are. Where did they source all those nipples? Well, wherever the the eludinum mines may be, like oh. he was able to acquire that, and his hope was to use this hero, yeah. Natman, and later in the sequel, Natman and Redbreast, whose Ooh. costume was woof. Oh, 40 pounds of rubber never looked that hot. Oh, I didn't know you had it in you. It's more on the outside in this case, but... To try and send some of this heroism to whoever had been affected by all of his Dijkstraflex-influenced Star Wars, and to yes. try and send some of this heroism, not realising that, of course, then he would also send the villains of these... Every, for every superb hero, there's also a superb villain, such as the Choker... <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and the diddler. Oh, dear. He was my favorite. You, oh, oh, was he? The diddler. You're a diddler guy? Yeah. He did his thing. He diddled his thing. <laughs> 
Until eventually he realized that even just sending creations to battle the other creations to solve some of the problems that he that he created, all of these star wars, all of the these galactic battles that he was responsible for through his imagination, he had to go there and solve it himself. So he got in his Natmobile yes. and flew through the Dijksterflex camera portal itself, yes. right through I mean, the, the iris. The Natmobile, I guess that's uh, probably, uh, I would have gone for something like involving the bedbugs or something like rather than the Natmobile. Like I'd rather sleep my way into a... Uh, that does sound better, but yeah, for this superb hero, like it had to be a flying creature that yeah. sucks blood. That's what, what a Natman was known no, for. Nat, well, yes, no. <laughs> Yes, no, go on. Yeah, Keep I mean, going. I know that. And I'm supposed to be the one who's lost his memory. Like, it's right. a very famous, there's a very famous comic book about, a, about someone who dresses up like a like a flying creature that sucks blood. Yes, it's a gnat. Yes. So he flies his Natmobile through the the iris of the Dijkstraflex uh, uh, camera and calling back to Colonel uh, Ty from the Conflict Sphere Nebula, a lot of Ty fighters. They're a little bit blow-uppy, but there's lots of them, which makes them good in a fight anyway. And lastly, he busts through the aperture into the workshop of these Miss ah. uh, uh, Busters, the Walrus and the Salvage. Yes. And together, they devise two things. Because he realized that two things need to be done. One, the Star Wars need to be won yes. through a superior craft, which they design. And secondly, like this portal between Earth and the sort of Hollywood establishment and this other galaxy needs to be closed. So they mm. make two inventions together. The superior spacecraft, the Hexwing, yes. which just from its number of wings is always going to win every it's better. It's always going to be better, yeah. It's, it's, uh, more wings is better, especially in space. And he goes back through and he converts his Dijkstraflex camera using phlebotinum into an Illudium-based Dijkstra rigid camera, which can just contain its special effects responsibly. Which he, in order to get enough emotional capital together to make this actually work and get the required power levels up, which he has not realized until this point is actually caused due to the public's effect to his movies, which causes a certain amount of psychic energy. So he organizes Star Wreck, convention and uh, <laughs> a star wreck convention yes centered around his most recent uh, cinematic masterpiece star wreck the emotionless picture that's the one <laughs> it's like it's, it's met with lack of acclaim Especially lack of critical. But certainly for the special effects. Also by the people from Star World who appreciate that none of these special effects, including the giant Peger. But it all stays on Earth. Unfortunately, we are the only ones who are afflicted by uh, uh, Star Wreck, the emotionless picture, and and none of it. And it really does. It's very emotionless, and it's a bit of a wreck. So it's very aptly named, at least. Uh, uh, Natman and, and Redbreast and his many nipples, they join the Star Wars with uh, Captain Kanada and uh, yes. assisted by the and walrus in by, there. By moving from the Dykes Reflex to the Dykes Rigid, he manages to seal off the uh, continuum bridge between uh, his yep. own worlds and the Star Wars's. Yeah, and at last, Star Peace reigns while he goes back and, and enjoys massive success with his Dijkstra firm. Yes, it does work. He, and really later in his age, later age, he he starts getting a little bit more political. Oh, there's more? Oh, where, good. He, well, he starts getting a little bit more political. Hopefully not and as much start, as the writer. He, some of the people would call it conspiracy theories, but it was a critically uh, acclaimed movie called Enemy at the Gates Foundation. Oh, <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. The enemy of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And that was that was that was a shocking like like interference that John Dykstra wasn't ready for. And I think that was the beginning of the CGAI revolution. But that's probably for another book. I think that's the sequel. It's like at least <laughs> wow, there was a lot in this book. How on earth are we going to rate this book? Oh, now tell me, what was your favorite part of the book first? Oh, that's a very good question. Yes, you're right. We always do that. Now, I thought Lady Byron was a little bit underexposed, but my favorite part was the Miss Busters, like the walrus and the salvage. Like, it takes a little bit of thinking who the walrus and the salvage might be in their various workshops. Granted, I'm a hare, but... I, I I really love the the bad guys in the other universe, the Choker and the Diddler. Those were like that worries me just a little bit. It, I know. Sometimes you have to sympathize with the enemy. We certainly sympathize with each other. I mean, we both had the had the Greebles pegged down Greebles, as a very. I mean, how can you not love the Greebles? Now, for the readers at home, and perhaps for me, for to whom you've explained it, what are Greebles? Oh, as a, a greeble is a, a little bit of detail, usually put on a model, space model, which are used to uh, break up big surfaces on model, models. Um, like Oh, okay, to, to add extra detail. Right, You have instead of having a, a spaceship, which is like one big smooth surface, they try to put little things on them, which look like they're useful, like pipes and ducts and stuff like that. And it's usually done through a process called kit bashing, where you go through uh, all other oh, model kits and you old model kits, cut yes. little bits out of like pieces of engine... Or sometimes just even the sprues, uh, and use the, spru- the which is the sort of little plastic bits that right, hold yeah, the, from the injection molding process. And you glue them together and into you, an unlikely and you just make it look like something like it, it, it just looks like things which have sprues which nobody oh, thinks could fly. Yes, it just looks like they have a purpose because like ships and other things have those things uh, stuck on the outside. Just look at the Centre Pompidou in France, and this is like one just. Big oh, that, that thing. wonderful build. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so it's just a lot of extra pomp and circumstance that makes people think that there's actual substance inside. Which makes like, it so things look real and like realistic. Yes. Yeah. Oh. oh, that sounds a little bit self uh, it's a, I mean, it's a bit of a critical review, which is not usually right. what we do. Speaking of reviews, if you would like to leave a review, oh. uh, you can probably leave it on your podcasting device. Or if you would like to suggest a book to us, you can contact us on Twitter at uh, CoverMyAssCast or CoverMyAssCast at gmail.com. It is a bit, doesn't it? It's but like, I think we cover my ass cast everywhere. We are. I wonder why that's always such a problem. Okay, so I think those are all the parts of the show that we used to do, right? We've got the inane intro where I talk about my various adventures. We've got the book that we struggle to review. We talk about the favorite scenes, and then the and then we we review give the a, book. Oh, the, the review. Sorry, the book. We, okay, sorry, we, we, sorry to, we rate the book. How are we going to rate the book? Uh, out of nineteen seventy-seven. Out of nineteen seventy-seven. Why nineteen seventy-seven? Well, that was the year that the first masterpiece of uh, uh, John Dykstra uh, oh, came okay. out. That seems like a very good choice. Now, I would like, let's say, mm, 1948. That seems like a good time that a book was written about uh, I don't know dystopian that futures. It was such a great time. Oh, no, I guess not. A dystopian future to 1948. Oh, the famous Orge Jor book. That's the one. 1948. Yeah. yeah. Also famous for Fanimal Arm. Yeah, I never got that. Like, well, well, I mean, I've seen arms that I know what a fan of is. Desperate reach. Maybe next time we'll do better. What's next week's book? What do we have in store for our reader next week? Next week's book is by uh, Ray Douglas. His sex, his problem. <laughs> Thank you for joining us at Cover My Ass, where baffling books are reviewed but not read by yours truly. My name is Kaki. And I'm Kay. And remember, we, we only, only judge a book by its cover. cover. Oh, only, oh, God, how many other colors of ink are we going uh, to have to face? Oh, let's not. Watch out for the drippings. Don't, don't drip. Don't step in the red puddles. Don't, don't drip? drip. <laughs> no, don't drip. It's generally or unhealthy, depending on what's Some going on. Some people think it's a sign of excitement. Well, yes, but we don't like it when pages get stuck together. <laughs>